Hey guys, it's Tyler. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast today where we talk faith, family, and focus in your life and your leadership. You know, juggling all of these things, it is so hard to keep track. Sometimes our heart can become so restless under the stress and the responsibility of all these facets of life. And that's why I wrote my book, Restless, Finding Rest in a Restless World. You can go to my website and get a free copy of that book, a free paperback copy of that book at tylerarobertson.com slash restless. So if you haven't done that yet, head on over to my website and do that. Grab a free copy of that book, Restless, Finding Rest in a Restless World. And with that, let's dive into the episode. Welcome to the Navigators Podcast, the podcast that equips men and women to steer the course of biblical Christianity in our culture today. Each week, we discuss faith, family, and the cultural trends that are sure to impact the local church. Join Tyler Robertson as we study God's Word together. Have you ever heard people say, the proof is in the pudding, right? Or the facts are facts, and that's just the fact of it. You ever heard that one? Well, you know, there's a lot of truth to that. Because facts tell us a lot about what needs to be done. Facts help us analyze how we need to move forward. When we look at data, when we look at uh, our financial budget, when we look at how we're spending money, it tells us exactly how to spend money better the next month, right? So looking at the facts, looking at, and nobody likes to look at the expense sheet, nobody looks to look, likes to look at that, those kind of things, right? Because sometimes the facts are a little bit sobering. Well, we're going to look at the facts when it comes to this thing of being soul-focused. We've been talking about, we we introduced it last week, the idea of being soul-focused, focusing in on souls, souls that matter to Jesus, that matter to God, that are eternal uh, in their destination. And what do we need to do as believers to reach them with the gospel, to share our faith with them, and to focus on souls? And uh, that's what we introduced last week. And so this week we're talking about knowing the facts. What are the facts as it relates to evangelism? Or what are the facts as it relates to missions? And looking at this data... Right, It's going to help us to move forward with the message of the gospel. You'll see what we mean in just a moment. But number one, I want you to notice this. Look at the demand. The demand. There is a high demand for Christians to be actively involved and engaging other people with the gospel. I don't think any of us uh, have a hard time agreeing with that. Uh, we very often drop the ball when it comes. The Holy Spirit urges us to give a gospel track to someone, and we give every excuse not to. We have all these things that we run to instead, all these excuses that we run to instead of giving other people the gospel. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 9. He said, The harvest truly is plenteous, but laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. He was saying, hey, the harvest, it's plenty. It's white. There are people that need Jesus, and we are the hands and feet of Christ. And we are to realize, hey, there's a demand. There's a demand for Christians to get involved in the gospel work. And the truth is, think about this truth for a moment. The truth is that more people will die today and go to hell 
then they will go to heaven. More people will die and go to hell today than die and go to heaven. Think about these startling statistics. Approximately 166,000 people die every single day. And about 41.6% of the world's population is considered unreached. That means that less than 2% of the population is uh, in that area is evangelized and has been given the message of the gospel, and less than 2% are actually believers. 41%, think about that, of the world's population is considered unreached. If you do some simple math equations there, that leaves about 65 to 70,000 people approximately that die every single day without the hope of Jesus. Many of them, thousands of them literally dying every single day worldwide uh, without ever hearing the name Jesus, without ever hearing the gospel, without ever hearing that there is something more. I don't know about you, but that that moves me, right? It moves me to the message. It moves me to get the message out there. And you know, when we look at statistics like that, when we look at uh, stats like this, uh, we we kind of think, why should I even try? Why should I even try? Why should I even uh, give an effort? I mean, there's this, that's, that's such an insurmountable number. But remember, that doesn't mean, just because it seems insurmountable, it doesn't mean that we should stop trying, right? It doesn't mean that we should stop uh, giving other people truth. Because they're desperate. We looked at last week. They're desperate to hear the truth. And Jesus, he challenges us. He commissions us with this obligation. Matthew 28, he says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And by the way, that is the power that helps us to move forward and advance the gospel. It's the power of Jesus Christ. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things, whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. So he says, all power, it's given to me, and I want you to go. He commissions us. We see the go in the gospel there, how he commissions us and pushes us. He says, no, don't wait for those to come to you. Go to them. And you are to go with the message of the gospel, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. You know, if you're saved, these verses are totally for you. Jesus is speaking to you, and he's challenging you, go, go to them. Who is the one that needs the gospel message that lives near you? Who is the one that's in your community or in your workspace that needs the message of the gospel? Let's look at some more facts. Once again, we're looking at the demand, the high demand for Christians to get involved in gospel work. Look at some more facts. 95%, 95% of all Christians have never won a soul to Christ. Think about that. 95% of Christians have never won a soul to Christ. 80% of all Christians do not consist, consistently excuse me, witness for Christ. 80%. Less than 2% involved in ministry are involved, excuse me, in the ministry of evangelism. 71% do not give toward the financing of the Great Commission. I think there's a deficit there. I think there's a great wide margin that needs to be filled, that needs to close. And we need to, uh, there needs to be something that charges our battery to say, okay, I'm going to go. 
I am going to go. Like that Energizer Bunny that you see on the TV commercials, right? You're going to go. You're going to give the message of the gospel because right there is statistics that tell us that many people do not put an emphasis. And I think that shows us that many of us do not put an emphasis on the gospel. We don't do it on a consistent basis, and we've never many people have never won a soul to Jesus Christ. Can I ask you just a very pointed question? Have you ever won a soul to Jesus Christ? Has there ever been a time where you have, uh, outside of a church setting, has there ever been a time where you have shown somebody from Scripture or you have led someone to Jesus? There is a great demand for Christians who live a lifestyle of winning souls to Jesus Christ. Because that's exactly what it is, right? Soul winning's not or shouldn't just be an event, but it is a lifestyle. So we see there is a great demand for Christians who will live a lifestyle of winning souls to Jesus, who will be completely and utterly soul-focused. So we see the demand. Remember, we're talking about the facts. We've seen the demand, and now let's notice the delusion. What's the delusion? The delusion, there's many delusions that we as Christians believe in, in regards to giving the gospel to other people. There are many things that we that we tell ourselves that many times are simply not true. Sometimes, you and, and you, you, some of you know what I'm talking about. You go and you're sitting in the car and you've got the gospel tract in your hand and you're about to go to the door and you're thinking about all the things that they're going to say. Right, you're thinking about all the things that uh, that you think they're gonna just slam the door in your face. You think they're just gonna get in an argument, and half the time that never happens. Sometimes it does, but half the time we worry and worry and worry, and that stuff never ever happens. There's some great delusions that we can believe and excuses that we can run to instead of giving the gospel. We say, well, what do you mean? Well, think about this one. I don't have time to give the gospel. My schedule is so busy. Or I don't know how. What if I get up there and I just freeze? Right? What if they reject me? What if what if they slam the door in my face? What if they say no? What do I do? This is a big one. I don't want to be confrontational or offend anyone. Hmm. Think about that. You don't want to be confrontational or offend anybody. I think that's many times the the go-to for many people. Well, the gospel is confrontational, right? My faith is confrontational. That's why I just don't talk about my faith at work. I don't talk about my faith in other community settings because I understand that it's confrontational with other people. We don't, naturally, we don't like confrontation. None of us like confrontation. But we've got to understand that the truth, when you present someone with truth, the truth oftentimes is confrontational to things that are not true. If you have truth and you have untruth, and they're living a lifestyle of untruth, of no truth, of a disregard to God, that's what the word ungodly means, an ungodly lifestyle or disregard to God, and then you regard them to God for the first time, you engage them with truth, you engage them with the gospel, guess what that's going to do? It is going to be conflicting. It is going to be confrontational. So should we just say, well, uh, I'm just going to live right in front of them, and then they come to me? Well, if we live by that, we have eliminated a lot of preaching. 
We've eliminated a lot of preaching that we can do. We might as well not preach on a lot of things like hell, like sin. And honestly, that is what we've seen. Many people have cowered down. Many pastors, preachers have cowered down to preaching against sin, to preaching against hell. Um, I myself, even sometimes, when giving the gospel, sometimes I notice oh, I don't want to mention hell because, like, that's like a you know, really big deal, and like that's that sounds so judgmental. And we live in the society where we're so anti-judgmental that we can't make judgments on anything. Well, we literally can't make judgments, and many times that mentality can stop us from giving people the truth, which is, at its face, at face value, it is going to be confrontational. So I don't want to be confrontational. Or this one, can't I just live right in front of them and they will come to me and ask, should you live a lifestyle that exemplifies Jesus Christ, that lifts up the name of Jesus Christ? Absolutely. 100% you should. I don't think anyone would disagree about that. But should lifestyle evangelism, just living right in front of them, should that be the only form of evangelism that we're engaged in? Absolutely not. And by the way, lifestyle evangelism should never be, uh, just living right in front of somebody, should never be a substitute for verbal, confrontational engaging of the gospel. Never. It should not be. Uh, because if we do that, then we are not training disciples. If we say oh, we're just going to live right and wait for people to come, then then the average Christian would probably have close to one to two converts uh, that they would win to Jesus with their life. And by the way, we we want to. It's many. It's crazy. We say that. We say, well, let's live right in front of them, and and maybe they'll come to us and ask. And yet we're blurring the lines between the world and the church. We're blurring the lines between what the world looks like and what the church looks like, and we're depending on our lifestyle to be completely – we're depending, depending on our lifestyle to exemplify and to put on display the gospel when yet we are looking just like the world. And I'm not just talking about in appearance or in dress. I'm just saying in, in our morals, in our standards. We're looking just like the world, and yet we depend on our lifestyle to be the only advocate for the gospel for these people. I think we've got something confused there. So these are some of the excuses that we use sometimes. These are some of the delusions that we that we face um, as our scapegoat from giving other people the gospel. And lastly, I want you to notice the devastation. You know, like water off a duck's back, we often kind of glide over that confrontational aspect of the gospel, and we want to train disciples, and we want to do well uh, when it comes to giving out many tracts or whatever in gospel efforts, yet sometimes when we're giving the gospel, we don't want to talk about that aspect of hell. We don't want to. We don't really want to go to the bad side. We really want to stay on the good side, but remember, that is truth. The truth is, and the scripture teaches us, that there is a literal hell, and it is judgment, a place of judgment, and it's where real people go when they do not have Christ as their Savior, and that is the reality of the gospel that we cannot escape. That is why we do what we do, and if we continue to give other people the gospel and we try to skirt around the issue— of hell. Now, I'm not saying, now be very, uh, I'm being, trying to be very transparent. I'm, I'm not saying go and knock on the door and say, hey, you're going to die and you're going to burn, burn in hell today if you don't get saved. That's probably not the best approach. In fact, I, it's not the best approach. 
Now, there are many times you see in the New Testament where people preach with openness, canonness, boldness of the Spirit of God. And yes, they are talking about the judgment of God, and that judgment of God is coming. There's a time and there's a place for that. And sometimes I think we get so caught up in the 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 uh, one side or the other, right? We are either on this side where we are preaching, you know, the gospel loud and proud, and we're preaching it from a stop sign where people have people are driving by, tons of cars are driving by with no one's got their window down, and they roll the window down, and then they hear judgment of God is coming upon you. And then they roll the window back up, and it's very, very much out of it's out of context. And I think sometimes, and and that's honestly that's that's in our American culture. I honestly believe that street preaching that not that it's wrong. I am not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying in many situations that I've seen it applied, sometimes it's not the most effective method because we're preaching and we're shouting and preaching and shouting to people that are literally driving by, and most of them don't have their windows down. Uh, But if they do have their windows down, they stop for about three seconds at the light, and they don't get any context of the gospel. And and, and then we feel really, really good when we stand on the street corner and do that, Uh, but yet we don't, many times, there's not much fruit that comes from that. And and that's in my personal experience. And maybe you have a different experience. Maybe you live in a place where it's very, uh, there's a lot of people and they're walking and there is just a lot more, a lot better environment for that. Well, if the Holy Spirit tells you to do that, then do that. But sometimes I feel like we're there, we're on that side or on this side of like, okay, well, I'm never going to mention like anything bad, but I'm going to give them the gospel. I'm just not going to mention anything bad. How do you do that? (laughs) I mean, please tell me, how will you Give them the gospel in a truthful way without mentioning, hey, if Jesus came to die on a cross for our sins, that's the good. But he came to die for what? Our sins. That's the bad, right? That's what we deserve judgment for is that sin nature. So the devastation, people die and go to hell. As I said earlier, more people will die today and go to hell than they will go to heaven. But I want you to notice this. Do you realize that every time that Jesus preached on hell, he always pointed people to hope. There was always light, right, with darkness. And so there must be a balance there. We can't be, we can't preach all darkness and we can't just preach all light. We must acknowledge both and say, okay, but the light is greater. And that's what Jesus did. And by the way, he preached on hell twice as much as he preached on heaven. He acknowledged that it was a real thing. He acknowledged it was a real place where real people go. And that's exactly why he came. But you want to know the worst part about hell, though? The worst part about hell is not the flames. The worst part about hell is not the darkness. And it's not the weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. The worst part about hell is being completely hopeless and without God for all of eternity. And that is the reality. That is the true devastation. It's not just the punishment and the pain that they will feel in judgment, but it is literally an eternity without hope, an eternity without God as God turns his back on them. Think about that. An eternal judgment where there is no hope, there is no escape, no matter how much they plea, no matter how much they beg. Uh, it is an eternal place of judgment. But that should not discourage you. 
what should what the reality of hell should do is it ought to say, hey, I've got to get people out of the fire. If you walk past a house and that house is on fire, I would hope and I would pray that something would well up inside of you to do something. Grab a bucket and grab a hose or run in the house, see if there is anyone left. Do something to get that person out of those people that are endangered out. And that ought to be our response when it comes to the gospel. We've noticed the demand. We've noticed the devastation. We've noticed the delusions, the excuses that we often go to. We've noticed all of these things. Those are the facts. Those are the facts of the gospel. And by analyzing the facts, it will help us in the future to give the gospel more consistently, more faithfully, and to be more soul-focused, focused on other souls, and that they will spend eternity one day in one of two places, with either with God or without God. They will spend eternity in either one of two places, either with God or without God. I want to be soul-focused. I want to be so focused on souls around me and realize that there is an eternity, and I want to engage them with the gospel. Thank you for listening to The Navigator's Podcast. Visit tyleraroberson.com and subscribe to our readers group for helpful articles, podcast updates, and book releases. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you want to read more articles, listen to more podcast episodes, or find more resources, you can go to tyleraroberson.com. tyleraroberson.com and subscribe to all of that. We would love to have you as a part of our community as we grow in our faith, family, and leadership focus.